could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. It might be easier to go along to get along, but it's much less rewarding. It's time to step out of that comfort zone and take on a new challenge. Be bold, be strong, dare to be an authentic you. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today the theme for our show is The Gift of Daring. And I'm Rachel Glass. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. With regard to this week's theme, The Gift of Daring, we are going to examine how a sense of moxie and adventurousness are crucial to appreciating all that this life has to offer. We have a power-packed show for you today, and I think it's time we dive right in. Rachel is a published author, having written the chapter, The Gift of Daring, in the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and she'll read her story, and then we'll chat about how she has evolved with daring. So this is... The Gift of Daring. My cousin Victoria and I were at her house in Napa and decided to head out to the vineyard on our bikes. I felt the cool morning air against my skin as we soared through the grapevines. I noticed a small opening along the edge of the vineyard that led to the creek. We knew we were never to venture into the creek because of poison oak, wild animals, and the risk of getting hurt. I thought to myself, we won't get caught, and plus, it would be fun. We went home, parked our bikes, and were walking inside when I noticed something in a basket by the garage. Bungee cords. Maybe we should go back, I told Victoria, grasping the bungee ropes in my hands. I held them up for Victoria to see, and she immediately knew what I was thinking. Two minutes later, we were back at the opening. Victoria grabbed my ropes, tied them together, then tied one end to a tree branch. She walked back to her bikes and grabbed her helmet. Why do we need helmets, I asked, laughing. Because the ropes may break, she answered as she propelled down the hill. I grabbed the rope to descend. Hurry up, she yelled. With a loud snap, I crashed to the bottom. In shock, I sat on the rocks with Victoria staring at me. She burst out laughing. I caught her laugh attack and lay on the rocks, unable to stop cracking up. In a state of giggles, we continued our trek in our secret creek. As we were skipping rocks, Victoria suddenly stopped and told me to be quiet. I looked at her, appearing a wild animal right behind me. She silently whispered in my ear that she heard our mom calling our name. We were caught. 
after during our mom's rant, I pondered what could have happened to us. I was reading my mind, Victoria said, what if when you fell, the water had been deeper and you couldn't get up? I thought about that and realized how dangerous the situation actually was. The water was extremely cold, and with the raging rapids, we could have been swept downstream. The ramifications to our actions hit us like a cold shower. We had not engaged in a daring and fun adventure, but instead had endangered our well-being by acting unsafely. I will never forget the day Victoria and I made our bungee contraption, but instead of being proud of our actions, what we learned is that we must always think about consequences before doing something daring. Being bold and brave is one thing. Being dark and daring is stupidity. Being a teenager offers us opportunities for excitement and new experiences. I'm always the first to want to explore, navigate, and discover the unknown. It's great to dare to be adventurous and free. However, I now know the importance of safety first. Wow. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is so great. Because, you know, I, I love how you bring up at the end the idea that being teenagers, we kind of always want to be out there and be reckless, and we think that we're invincible, mm-hmm. and, you know, YOLO, you're only young ones, so yeah. do whatever you want to do, but there really are consequences to it, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people realize those consequences much later on in their lives when it might be too late, and I'm glad you realize the importance of kind of putting a check on your daring, your sense of daringness early on. Yeah, yeah, reading that story is kind of making me laugh, because now I feel like I'm um, I'm not exactly cautious, but I'm always very aware of my surroundings and aware of what could go wrong. And I wouldn't, you know, I feel like I have just so much more to risk now. I would never, you know, put myself in a position to risk my life or just anything that was important to me. And I feel like yeah. that's something you learn as you grow older, you know, you start valuing the actual important things more and that helps you make good decisions. And I feel like that is like a valuable characteristic to be able to, you know, be able to balance those things. Right, right. Has it been a while since you've come back and read that story? <laughs> yeah, it's been years. <laughs> I can't, Sydney is going to have to remind me when that book was published, but I was probably like early on in high school when I wrote that. I know I just graduated college, so it's been a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. Congratulations on graduating. Yeah, Isn't it you. crazy how much we grow in just a short period of time? I think really the teenagers and maybe the pre-adolescent years are the most impactful in terms of the lessons that we gain. You know, I think once we kind of hit past 30, 40, 50, I think our wisdom Mm -hmm. has really started to sink in. But right now we're really in our prime and we're really soaking in everything around us, everything that that's here to teach us. So I think it's really important to keep an open mind with regard to those things. Mm -hmm. And along with this topic of being daring, but being safe, what, do you have any ideas of things that teenagers can do if they want to kind of get out of their comfort zone, but in a really safe way? I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do that are kind of planned and controlled that will be, you know, if you're looking for an exhilaration or something exciting, like there's plenty of things you can do. I feel like if you have any type of competitive spirit, like sports are like a great way to do that. You know, because not only is it huge commitment, and it could be kind of risky because some sports are dangerous, but, you know, you have that excitement of people watching you and just, you know, working with others. I think sports are a great way to do that. You know, I used to do gymnastics, and gymnastics is, like, a pretty dangerous sport. If anyone's looking for something exhilarating to do, I'd probably suggest that. But then there's other just activities. As you're older, you know, and you're over 18, you can skydive, which I've never done. But I think that's on the top of the list of 
things you can do that are controlled but extremely exhilarating. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think learning a new <laughs> instrument would be another thing too if maybe athleticism yeah. really isn't your thing. I know mm-hmm. that I, I, the first instrument I ever learned to play was violin, and I think I was like five at the mm-hmm. time, and I really was not into it. And then so there was a hiatus during which I played no instrument at all. And then I took up mm-hmm. piano in about second grade, I want to say. And mm-hmm. I, it was such a, a great after-school activity for me, you know, to kind of get away from the humdrum of school and just normal routine. Mm-hmm. It helped me shake things mm-hmm. up a bit. And there's really very yeah. minimal chance of injury in learning how to play a musical instrument. <laughs> yeah, and I think other things like speed daring, you know, that kind of requires to step out of your comfort zone. There are a lot of, you know, steps you can take to kind of put yourself out there. Like, no matter where you are in life, you know, you could be looking for you know, a new opportunity, a new job, and, you know, you never get new opportunities like jobs, for example, if you don't kind of put yourself out there, you know, so I think that's, um, I think it's good to be able to know, like, to be able to balance, you know, on one hand, stepping out of your comfort zone to, you know, get a great new opportunity that will most likely, you know, help you live versus, like, doing something unsafe without thinking, and I guess it's a matter of being responsible and being irresponsible, but I guess you also learn from your mistakes. Right, right. You know, the point of daring really is to grow in some way. And and mm-hmm. so you have to make sure that it is a safe thing. You're exercising your daring attitude within because only that will enable you to mm-hmm. learn a vital lesson or advance your character or intellect in some way. And I definitely agree mm-hmm. with your point that you really have to go out there and seek out these fun opportunities for yourself. Opportunity will not be knocking on your door. I think you really have to go out and seek it out. And mm-hmm. I think another really fun way to kind of experiment and shake everything up a little bit is to try interesting foods. I actually, when I was in Hawaii, yes. back, I tried dragon fruit for the first mm. time. And I think the sort of official name of dragon fruit is pitaya, I believe. And when you mm-hmm. eat dragon fruit, it's red on the outside. It has a really interesting shape. It's even hard to describe. It's red on the outside. Yeah, I've never had it elongated and then there's little green leaves poking out of the skin and then in the Mm -hmm. inside it's like clear with little black seeds in there it is so interesting Interesting. and crazy but the taste was Mm -hmm. wonderful and I remember looking at it when it was sitting in a plate in the buffet that my family and I were eating at and I was like "Uh -uh uh-uh there's no way I'm gonna try that thing I don't know what that is (laughs) I've never seen anything like that in my life but one taste and I was hooked um and so, you know, that's a great way to kind of get out of your comfort zone. And you never know how much you might love that thing that you were at first so reluctant to try. Yeah, I was actually just about to say that. Like, you'll never know if you're good at something or if you like something if you don't try it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, Have you ever yeah, tried dragon so, fruit? <laughs> I haven't. I feel like I've had dragon fruit flavored drinks, but I know that's... <laughs> Not nearly yeah. as close to that, but, but I think I have seen one before now that you're described it so well. And I actually just did the same thing. I was at a restaurant in Portland, and I tried, my boyfriend and I tried bone marrow and elk tartar for the first time, and it was Ooh. delicious. Things that, sound, things that sound weird and maybe that you're not supposed to eat, but kind of went for it. I love trying new foods, and that is a great way to be daring. Because usually you can't go wrong. (laughs) 
For sure, for sure. And you know, I've actually mm-hmm. never tried duck before. And I think that's the <gasps> next item on my food bucket list. I know it's not I've never tried it before. Um, mm-hmm. but I know my one of my friends is keep keeps telling me to come over to her house and her mom apparently makes the best mm-hmm. duck meal that's possible. So I think oh, I'm be hitting her up on that offer after this mm-hmm. daring episode. Yeah, <laughs> you should. And then you can let us know what you think of it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, thank and you know very, mm-hmm. very much, Rachel. Really interesting conversation. I'm really happy mm-hmm. that you shared this anecdote. It, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage to kind of open up that way and share you know, maybe a mistake you've a mistake you've had or a lesson that you've learned from it. And I think it's really going to help people understand the difference yeah. between being daring just for the sake of it and being daring with a purpose. I hope so. Thank you so much. And during the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Hannah Hundel. And I'm Rachel Glass please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on daring. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. They say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we've changed it for the worse, let's change it for the better. Tune in to The Climate Opportunity, a two-hour special hosted by Beth Green and Dr. Grant Dean. Expert guests, Professor Scott Denning, Chef Laura Steck, video journalist Peter Sinclair, and Kelsey Wirth of Women Out Front will share how we can improve our lives while improving our weather. Listen on Inside Out Radio, Tuesday, November 11th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Presented by Inside Out Radio and Voice America. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Women Investing in Women and Girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. 
You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about the gift of daring. And I'm Rachel Glass. Now, in this segment, we're going to meet a woman who has wanted to write since she was old enough to hold a pencil. But it wasn't until she began studying for the California bar exam that she conveniently started putting pen to paper. An entertainment lawyer by trade, Lee Kelly has practiced law in Los Angeles and New York. She lives with her husband and son in Melbourne, New Jersey, though after a decade in Manhattan, she can't help but still call herself a New Yorker. City of Savages is her first novel. Welcome, Lee, to Express Yourself. Thank you, guys. So great to be here. We are so glad to have you on the show, and I think your story is a really, really interesting and inspiring one because here you are working in law, and then you write a fiction novel, and those seem like two totally separate worlds, but somehow you made them collide. How did it happen? Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, well, I was, um, as you said from, from my bio, I was a lawyer practicing in California, and I had moved to uh, New York to practice, which anybody, I don't know how familiar you are with um, the legal practice in, in New York, but um, it can be very long hours and very intense. And um, I, I just found my lifestyle changing quite a bit. I was, you know, at my office overlooking Central Park till about two or three a.m. every night, and so it was. Mm. It was definitely a rude awakening. And sort of a backdrop to this was I had always wanted to write. I, I was that kid, you know, that had like the the ten page paper little stories that they would put together. <laughs> or I, I started about a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, journals. Um, so that was always something I wanted to do, um, but it did. It never kind of came together because I think you know college, law school, all of that. Um, when I moved to New York, I, I sort of was very miserable, um, and I, I found myself not really in a position, in a job that I was um, excited about, and I thought, you know, if, if ever I'm going to do this and start writing, I, I need an outlet now, and so I, um, I started kind of tinkering uh, with this idea in the morning, and hilariously, the idea was about a prison in Central Park. Um, which was very much what I felt like at the time. Very real for you at the time. Exactly. So I sort of weaved in parts of my life that the city is a very, very prominent part of the story. So there's, you know, subway rides that are kind of life and death and overlords in Central Park. So um, it very much was born from this kind of tough time in my life. And I since got another job, which is great. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, it's funny how life kind of lends itself to fiction in odd ways. And um, I got I gained traction in the morning and just and the novel kind of came together from there. Wow, that's awesome. so interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your book now that you just teased us with that. Um, sure. If you, describe, if you had to describe your book as a this meets that, what would it be? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I actually love this question. I'm going to borrow it um, from a <laughs> reviewer actually who said it is. Hunger Games meets Escape from New York with some Red Dawn thrown in. I've never seen the movie <laughs> Red Dawn, um, but um, I, Hunger Games is one of my favorite novels of all time. So that was like yeah. the biggest compliment ever. Um, so I hope the book lives up to that. But um, that, that's the meets, you know, the marriage pitch, put it that way. <laughs> that's quite a combo there. And, you know, first being involved in law and then getting into writing, were you kind of surprised by the whole publication industry and all the machinations behind it? Or did it go by really smoothly for you? 
You know, I think it, it's it's different for for everyone in terms of how the process goes. Um, but the craziest thing for me, just because I came from my, my background is actually in entertainment law, which sometimes a deal lands on your desk and has to be turned around within a day. And the, the craziest thing for me about the publication process was how long it takes. So I don't know how much you're aware of this, but um, the typical kind of, oh, hey, we want to buy your book to your book is on the shelves can take anywhere from 18 months to two years. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. I, so I, I actually was not very familiar with that, that at all. And so we, you know, just the, the whole, it takes three months to get an edit letter and then you work on um, the changes that your editor requests for six weeks and then you turn it around and you wait and you get another letter and you wait and you get another letter and you wait. I mean, the, the name of the game is waiting. Um, but it really mm-hmm. does all of that time actually, you know, is is being used productively. It's just there, there takes a lot, a lot of hands go into making a book from the cover to the copy edits. And it's that I think was was such a such a surprise for me coming from the background that I came from. And I, I think that is for as different as everybody's experience is that the length of time is pretty much the same. Mm. Wow. Wow. Were you also surprised by maybe the number of rejections that accompany this industry? Cause it's really a lot about trial and error and there's nothing set in stone. And you know, a lot of it is luck as well. Absolutely. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that, um, you talk about the gift of daring. I think you really have to be, you really have to be willing to, to try and, and fail in this industry because what usually happens is even before you, you go out and try and um, entice an editor with your story, you need to get an agent. And that, that's just the way it, it works these days with a novel. Um, before, I think you could cold call an editor, but, but not today. And so you have to go yeah. through, right, you have to go through querying an agent um, and you know, some people I've heard stories of, you know, I, I queried 60 agents before I got my agent. I, I wasn't that high, but I, I definitely received my slew of rejections. And sometimes it's just, it's a subjective industry. I'm sure if you two compared a book that one of you loved, the other one could hate it. You know, it's just, it's so subjective yeah. and at, yeah, at agents and editors have their preferences too. Um, so I mean, rejection is absolutely the name of the game and therefore having a thick skin and being willing to kind of push through and believe in yourself and believe in the product or, or willing to try again, that's super, super mm-hmm. important. Yeah, and just going along with that, how did it feel once it was all done and it was just people were starting to read it, read it and you're getting reviews after that whole process? Crazy. When <laughs> <laughs> somebody asks, you know, how does it feel now that your book is out? I'm like, I'll, I'll tell you when it's fully sunk in. Like, I, it's... It's just yeah. such a bizarre thing that these characters that live inside your head and you spend time with your computer and the only person that knows them is you. And then you kind of expand that universe out to maybe your mom and your sister <laughs> and like a couple beta readers that, that kind of give you feedback, other fellow writers that you, you kind of work with and make relationships with. And then all of a sudden there's somebody in uh, Malaysia that's, that's reading your book and, and you know, commenting, submitting a review on Goodreads in another language. And it's, it's just such a humbling, cool, crazy experience that this, this book is about sisters. There's um, the, the, the heart of the book is a, is a sisterhood relationship that they're talking about which sister mm-hmm. they prefer or identified with more. And it's just the coolest thing. Um, so it's been, it's, 
been pretty amazing. I mean, of course, there's going to be negative reviews from from readers and, mm-hmm. and from trade reviews, but on the whole, um, the the whole experience has very, been very humbling and satisfying, just because it's surreal. You know, you, you never really think that's gonna that's gonna happen that anybody's gonna read it off of your screen. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that that's so incredible to watch your dream come to fruition like that, especially one that you've held on to for so long. And you mentioned the thrill of these characters that have lived in your mind finally getting out there and being accessible to all your readers. And I wonder, how do you develop your characters? Are they based on individuals in your life or are they combinations of people that you've known and interacted with over the years? That's a great question. And I, I, I'm sorry if this is such a nebulous answer, but it, it depends, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, just a couple of examples. The um, anti-hero in this book was based off of my boss. <laughs> they started out as a true blue villain. And then the more that I sort of worked uh, with this man, the, the, the character is a female, but it kind of originated from a, a male in my life. Um, I started to make them more of an anti-hero. I sort of understood where they were coming from. And so that, that was sort of anchored to a real person. Um, the sisters in the book is based off of my own relationship with my two sisters. I'm, I'm one of three sisters. I'm the oldest. Um, so mm-hmm. they also sort of, that was sort of based off of them and parts of me. And then there were some people like the, um, the uh, supporting characters, the males in, in the novel that, um, I just sort of journaled and I, sometimes I just try and get to um, like stream of consciousness thinking about a character and then you kind of put them in a scenario and kind of let them breathe on their own. And it takes mm-hmm. a lot of off the page work. Uh, but that's another way that, that I'll go about it. If I don't have somebody in mind or kind of a, a you know, a set of traits in mind when, when I sit down to, to create somebody, which sounds wow. so crazy creating somebody, but <laughs> that's what a character is, right? <laughs> Do you find that you inevitably weave a little part of yourself into every character too? I like that question too. And I think that's probably right. I think even if um, I tried to deny it, it's probably right. I think it's, it's so hard when you're trying to walk in someone else's shoes mm. um, not to put some of yourself in. And even if they, if the character is the polar opposite of, of who you are, or at least ha- they read on paper like they're the polar opposite of, of who you are, I think it's really hard not to empathize with what they're going through. And hence you put a little bit of yourself in there. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think, I think that's definitely true for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of switching gears a little bit, just for your uh, journey, becoming a writer, what books or authors uh, have been influential on your writing? Oh, that's a great question. I'll start from when I was little Phantom Tollbooth is my (laughs) favorite of all time, the world building is still incredible. And I feel like no other book touches it mm-hmm. in my mind for that same reason, wrinkle in time. That series was fantastic. Um, I've mentioned hum- hunger games probably at least once or twice. Um, <laughs> that was the book that wanted, that made me want to write uh-huh. young adult. Um, and then okay. uh, re- recently I've gotten into Jillian Flynn, um, gone girl, sharp objects that what she does with women mm-hmm. characters are just incredible. Wow, that's mm-hmm. so cool. What books mm-hmm. are you reading right now that you're kind of drawing inspiration from? Um, I, I have been starting to get into audiobooks. Ooh. And so I don't know if, you, oh, if yeah? either of you listen to uh, audiobooks, but um, The Secret Place by Tana French I'm reading on audio, and it's fantastic. Um, and then another uh, 2015 debut called Tiny Pretty Things. 
it's about ballerinas mm. and kind of the cutthroat world behind the scenes. And it's, it's so addictive. That's so mm-hmm. interesting. Wow. Well, thank you very much for sharing all of your insight, Lee. You're full of passion and purpose, and it radiates through everything that you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And during the break, everyone, thank you. Our pleasure. And everyone, be sure to visit Lee's website at newrightcity.com and grab a copy of her book, City of Savages. It is a riveting read. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Rachel Glass. Also, remember to visit our radio site at expressyourself.com radio.com and our charity site at btsya.org we'll be back in the next segment and continue our conversation of being daring with lee stick around become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. it's easy and best of all it's free start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. What does indie mean? It's short for independent. What does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean. When you are indie, you don't just go with the flow. You set the pace. Indie can mean a style of music, dress, or just a way of life. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Everybody has a little bit of indie in them. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's you. Tune in to Indie on Voice America Kids. Live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you don't feel indie yet, make it a part of you. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey Investment Education and Asset Management firm and his team can help you contact jordan and the team at investview at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com if you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative call us past performance of investments are not indicative of future results investing is inherently risky all recommendations should be researched by the investor call investview at 732-380-7271 that's 732-380-7271 you're listening to express yourself On the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundel, and today's hot topic is the gift of daring. And I'm Rachel Glass, and we are back with the very awesome Lee Kelly, an entertainment lawyer by trade. 
And Lee is out with her first novel, City of Savages, published by Simon and Schuster. I think I might be saying that wrong. Well, no, you're right. A, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so while this book is primarily a thriller, City of Savages is also a story about the many meanings of sisterhood told across two generations of New York women, those who survived a terrible tragedy and those who were raised to live in its aftermath. Um, we are so excited to welcome Lee back to the program. Hi again, Lee, and thanks for staying with us. Thanks for having me back. Um, so we talked a lot about your book and what influenced you last segment. Now I'd love to hear more about you and how, um, like I mentioned, you have a son and a husband. How do you yes. balance your work life with your personal life? Oh, <laughs> it, it depends on the day, right? Um, so, yeah. so this is one of the, I think, the many challenges of trying to, um, uh, I mean, work moms out there, um, I'm sure would say the same thing, but it's, it's, it's always a struggle. And sometimes you feel like you're leaning more towards uh, the personal and not getting things done. And then other times you're up mm-hmm. till, you know, one or two trying to get those edits done. So um, it, it really is a sliding scale and um, yeah. there's no perfect answer, but in general, I have my parents involved in our childcare situation, which is wonderful because my son is absolutely obsessed with his grandparents. So it works out for everybody. Um, So they come on Mondays and Tuesdays and I get about five or six hours of writing in. And then um, honestly, it's his nap times or after he goes to bed that I try to cobble together um, the writing during the week. I am since on leave from uh, my law firm just because to I have a two-book deal with Simon & Schuster, so to try and write the, the two cool. novels with my son, expecting my, my second in August, yeah. actually, it, it just wouldn't have quite worked. So it's nice because I'm, I'm just focusing on the writing and my family right now. Um, not to say I won't be going back at some point, but right now it's, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, what I yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. How, how much time do you spend on average writing each day? Is it about that five to six hour time block, or does that usually vary? It's that's like the peak of it because I think that's when my parents are here. I sit down and I'm just able to be fully immersed in in the project that I'm working on. Usually, it's it's a nap time, which is about an hour and a half or two hours. And then maybe I get another hour or two at night. So I'd say anywhere, uh, probably 20 hours through the week I get to spend on writing. Wow. But I'm sure both of you know, when you sit down to, to do something, social media always <laughs> seems to, to pop up <laughs> to or prevail. there's emails to write, right? So if I'm completely honest with you, it's probably, you know, 75% of that time is spent writing just because it's so hard um, I mean, the writing community, too, on social media is just so vibrant um, that it's hard not to kind of get swept up in that sometimes. And then, oh, my God, it's, mm-hmm. you know, 11 o'clock and my parents are leaving at three kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it is a, a tricky balance there, too. Yeah. And just like being a writer, like I, I, you know, it's hard for me to think about like sitting down and writing a whole book. What is, do you want to tell us a little about your writing process? Sure. Not like you even get started because that's the hardest part sometimes. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the key to that, but I guess that, that not to go too much on a tangent, but the key is just to gain traction for me. I think that mm-hmm. when I am not writing for, for weeks, for whatever reason, I, I just turned in a draft to my editor and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of a break. It, it seems to make sense you know, take some nights off. I miss my husband, that kind of thing. Um, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's two or three weeks later, it's very hard to, to ramp up. So I think even just 
you know, touching it for like a, a paragraph, a two paragraphs, just keeping it fresh in my mind is a really good thing. Um, but in terms of the actual process, um, it, it sort of depends on the book. But what I've sort, what I seem to be falling into is I plot out an outline, um, and it can be anything from mm-hmm. rambling, you know, ideas of a of a scene or um, a conversation between two characters that kind of just sparked in my mind to oh, you know. I actually know what the first 25% kind of looks like and I'll sort of cobble that together over a period of maybe two or three months where I'm really trying to get my handle, Mm -hmm. my my mind wrapped around what the idea is. What am I trying to write? Right. And Mm -hmm. then I'll turn to a very, very quick, sloppy, sometimes not even punctuation kind of first draft just to get it out there because Mm -hmm. my biggest fear, like you said, is that blank page it's, it's the starting. So I feel like if I have something mm-hmm. even very, very rough to work with, um, I, it, it's easier to revise. And then that's, that second draft is really what you would probably consider a real first draft, which is somebody could actually read it mm-hmm. and it, it makes sense mm-hmm. um, in, you know, at least in, in, some, in some fashion. Um, and then I'll probably mm-hmm. go through at least another draft or two before I turn it over to critique partners or my agent um, just because I don't think it's worth people weighing and everybody's different on this, but I don't think it's worth people weighing in on something that I know is just not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the way it goes for me. And I'm, I'm not an author, but I can relate to that being a student and writing papers. I do the same sort of stuff where I just like need to, I just throw out all my ideas and they're not, Yes, you know they're organized to me, but they're not organized, and they're just like random things that you know. But it's kind of like a puzzle. You eventually kind of piece and keep moving everything around and staring at it, and then <laughs> exactly. But I think it feels good because mm-hmm. at least it's on the page. I think the scariest yeah. thing is when it's you're like, oh my god, I have ten pages, a uh, ten page paper to write, and there's mm-hmm. I don't have anything down. At least you, even if it's yeah. just a placebo. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's on the page. At least I have something to work with. It's very similar. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and you mentioned definitely. in the prior segment that you used to journal a lot. Do you still journal and draw inspiration from those? Um, you know, it's, I try and keep a dream journal. Sadly, it is not written anymore. It's me waking up. I mean, I think I mentioned I'm expecting my second child in August. So I oh, have this congratulations. awful. Oh, thank you. I have this awful habit now of getting up at like 3.30 and dreaming very vividly. But instead of like writing in a notebook, my husband will kill me if I like turned on the lights. I'm, I'm kind of burrowed over with my iPhone and I just write these, you know, two sentence, <laughs> two sentence um, snippets about the dream and just send it to myself. So my email has sort of become my, my journal. Um, oh. And my journals have sort of become more like scrapbooks for the current idea I'm working on. So anything related to an idea, mm-hmm. I'll just quick jot off in that particular notebook for a project so that everything's in one place. Because I think it's it, sometimes you lose ideas if they're just swimming around on random pieces of paper, which was my old style. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the journals have kind of become like these, these project keepers, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good piece of advice, you know, for all of our listeners, you know, everyone's a writer in their own way, or, you know, people have to write for school sometimes, but for aspiring writers, like people that, you know, hope to be an author like you one day, what is like your best advice for them if they would like to be an author? Yeah, no, um, if I can do a two part, if you don't mind, I don't know if that's cheating, (laughs) but, um, the first is probably the most basic and, and slightly infuriating piece of advice 
which is you have to write every day if, if possible, even mm-hmm. a sentence. And I know that's like, oh, great. Your advice how to write is to write. But I swear <laughs> it's all about traction. And again, that blank page is so intimidating, especially when you have this whole idea in your head of what you want the book to look like and you're facing this blank screen and you don't know how to take the first step to make this mm-hmm. world that you're thinking about actually come to fruition. Well, honestly, there's no magic. It's just you start mm-hmm. typing. And I really do think mm-hmm. when you start to type, even if it's garbage, you <laughs> eventually will get into the rhythm of wanting to go to the computers. I've heard some advice, it takes 21 days to make a habit. Yeah. I think it's very true for writing. You just need to keep sitting down, even if it's 20 minutes, and just keep writing. The, the second piece mm-hmm. of advice is to read as much as possible. And I've mm-hmm. heard people that say, oh, I don't want to read because it influences my style. And then I start writing in the voice of the author that I'm reading. And, and that might be true for some people, but I can't imagine reading doesn't kind of spark your interest in terms of, I want to, this is the kind of story I want to write, or actually, I don't like that style, or, you know, what did she do here with the characters? And it, it just immerses you in the world of storytelling, which I think is just as important as writing because a novel is storytelling plus writing. It's not just pretty prose, you know, mm-hmm. and the more you get exposed to storytelling and the, the structure of a story, the more you internalize it by reading, the easier it will come when you set out to create your own. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know you had mentioned that you're becoming more and more of a fan of audiobooks and on this note of reading, where do you think the whole landscape of, writing and reading is headed with this digital age, you know, the, the change in eBooks and um, everything's kind of moving online. Do you envision yourself maybe writing eBooks or sort of changing the format with which you publish? You know, that is such a great question. And I wish I, w- I had my finger on this pulse a little bit more. I think it's, it's a phenomenal question that I am so curious to see where it goes because I know that there they're just doing so much more in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the digital space. Like you mentioned, especially as a, as a new mom with picture books, I yeah. know there's like mm-hmm. interactive picture books and that kind of thing. I've heard that um, even in like the, the young adult space, there's spinoff stories and you can kind of click into a character and get their backstory. And it just seems like the, the, the notion of storytelling is no longer confined from cover to cover, if that makes sense. And Mm. so you're seeing all of these, like some of my friends that have these deals, um, they're publishing these e-stories. I I probably am not saying the correct term for this, but they're they're these little novellas about the prequels to the story or told in a different character's point of view. And it seems if if you have a trilogy or a series – that world is no longer confined to just the story itself. It kind of spins off in every direction. And that seems to be the way that we're going, that readers don't just want the simple story. They want the story behind the story. They want the story after the story. They want all of the characters and and their kind of lives that aren't kind of shown on the main stage. So there's a lot of cool opportunity here, Um, I think as a reader and as a writer, even in the fan fiction space, I feel like readers are also interacting more with with authors and providing their own stories. And, and that seems to be really embraced on, on the author side. I, I know my um, writer buddies that, that have, you know, very large series are thrilled when somebody takes the time to, like, send them a fan fiction piece about it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like 
there's a there's a lot going on and it's it's very interesting and fascinating and but I have I I'm not sure what the next frontier will bring. I hope there's still a place for hard copy books. Right, right. And you know, I'm really sure there always will be. I think storytelling right. it's evolving, but it'll always be there. And thank you very much for this great conversation again, Lee. You've enlightened us so much about the topic of daring and we thank you for all that you do and we wish you the best of luck. Oh, you too. So nice to talk to you both. Thanks for your time. Mm -hmm. Our pleasure. To keep up with Lee, everyone, be sure to visit her website at newrightcity.com. The book is called The City of Savages, and it is a page-turner. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Rachel Goss. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on being daring. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of daring. And I'm Rachel Glass, and we're going to get a slightly different perspective on the topic of being daring now from our reporter, Bridget Gian. Bridget is a high school student who loves comics, particularly Japanese Manga. I might be saying that wrong too. And she's back with another installment of her segment, Art Attack. Take it away. Hey guys, it's Bridget, and this week I dare you to express yourself with art in a new segment of Art Attack. Amongst the other qualities artists possess in order to create masterpieces are the boldness and tenacity a new method or idea might necessitate in the eyes of a crowd accustomed to a routine. Let's take a look at a few artists who dared to step outside the box and change the public perception of art forever. A handful of young French artists attending the Académie des Beaux-Arts in the 1860s decided that they valued different subjects and characteristics in a work from those deemed worthy in conventional painting. Rather than utilizing lines and contours that created a finished work in the eyes of the French critics, they experimented with brighter colors and used lights and darks to define and emphasize their subjects, which were radically different from those painted at the Academy. The young artists painted from life, and they discovered intriguing subjects within ordinary existences and the outdoors, while, on the other hand, conventional methods called for painting from the quiet of a studio, painting scenes from classical myths, or religious scripts. The two styles and their advocates 
kind of collided in the Academy's annual art show, the Salon de Paris. Um, the artists' works were rejected, unfortunately, for their innovative techniques. So young Monet, Renoir, Sicily, and Basile formed their own gallery and displayed their work there. They weren't really accepted because nobody at the Académie des Beaux-Arts liked their things and thought they thought they were too radical, and they didn't really like it. The show attracted crowds of people attending just to laugh at the paintings, but some people actually genuinely took an interest to the new style. And the newly found Impressionists, which was, funnily enough, a name given to the artists by a disapproving critic with a harsh review of the gallery, mm -hmm. gained a notice and perhaps even a bit of respect. These daring artists stood behind the innovative style that began a new and vivid movement, Impressionism, by refusing to give in to the restricting standards placed upon them. If that doesn't take guts, I don't know what does. Venturing out on a new tangent and sticking to it, too, takes a steel will and a courageous heart. Sometimes, though, daring isn't really a choice so much as a necessity. Angered and disillusioned by the pre-Great War morals held in high esteem by the previous generations, young artists and literary figures alike sought the true meaning of existence in the 1920s. The artists of the lost generation, they kind of began to wander out of their comfort zone, and they created darker works that reflected on post-war sorrows and a loss of direction at large during that time period. To really search for and find something meaningful, they had to kind of break away from the known subjects and methods surrounding them. They, separating from tradition and all of the like tried and true values of art, took bravery beyond compare for these desperate individuals who felt that the old ways couldn't really define their emotions and thoughts. Most, if not all, innovations and styles in art are brought in through daring figures who either find an unconventional way of expressing themselves or feel that the current styles and methods lack a way of allowing them to express their thoughts. Professing a new genre or style altogether and making it known and respected is tough because the concepts of true art is often aligned in people's minds with a certain style of art. Some of today's kind of abstract art is really disregarded because it's simplistic and no better than a child's crayon drawing, which is kind of like a false interpretation, really, which is provided without any insight. The artists of the Impressionism movement dealt with similar criticism, told that their works were merely unfinished sketches before they got into a studio and actually took it a step farther, which is not what their art uh, meant to them. Taking a stand in the art world really comes with negative backlash from others who don't really think one's works are really art. And some people have a boundary in their mind where they think art should fit. And when you have a piece that really doesn't fit within that boundary, you get a lot of criticism from the audience. Uh, members of any and every single movement of art had to have the courage to stay strong in the face of disapproval and denunciation. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so true because... I think one thing really important to recognize when we talk about being daring is that being daring and radical and courageous and brave, that's often not appreciated by the masses during mm -hmm. that time period in real time. But it's exactly expected later on, looking back in retrospect, we understand the Impressionists and the Lost Generation and how they were utilizing art to their advantage to express themselves in such a unique and fresh way. But it really yeah. does take time for that to happen. It doesn't happen in real time. Exactly. It's so, just... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, continue, continue. Oh, no, no, continue with your thought. I'm interested to hear this. This is so mm -hmm. great. <laughs> it's really... 
I feel that when you look back on something, it makes a lot more sense to you than if you're just met with it face to face. So the audience of that time period were kind of like, well, I want to stick with what I've looked on in my past, you know, what I can look back on instead of looking forward. And so now we can kind of look back on those like styles more and understand them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's very true. Yeah. Wow. And why do you think, yeah. why does finding a new style with which to express oneself in art really take so much strength and bravery, in your opinion? Um, really, I feel that nothing hurts the individual more than when something he or she has put like heartfelt work into is ridiculed and criticized. And I really think that this is one of the most horrible consequences of trying to fight for an innovative style of art. Of course, there are like real repercussions, you know, gallery owners don't really want to display something that they don't get, and works won't really sell to an unwilling audience. But really, I feel that the most hurtful thing, the most horrible thing that you have to endure is really just working with all this criticism and how people don't understand like what you're trying to put out there. Um, really, it's just a psychological hit. It's terrible. Um, the general public might also see a piece in even like an indifferent way, you know, they don't understand it. So they kind of brush it off and it's something really important to you and you're trying to put it out there. So when it doesn't get as much like reception, you know, as much attention as you want it to, as you want to show something to the world, but they don't see it, you know, that's just, it just hurts. And I feel like that's the most frightening thing about bringing a new style to the public eye. And that. I think really relates to our topic about being daring, you know, because there's a lot of things mm-hmm. you go into that you're, you know, you feel that way about, and being daring is the way that you kind of move past that. How do you think someone can use art to be daring? Kind of going off what you were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can really, it takes daring, of course, to kind of advocate your style your art in general, um, mm-hmm. you can you can kind of use it in everyday type thing. If you want to tell someone you love them and you're kind of shy and like afraid to do that, for example, um, art is a really great way to throw something out there and be daring, express your feelings, express yourself. Um, okay. As they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, and so if you really throw yourself out there with like a heartfelt drawing, maybe like something that you just sketched out your, your feelings, your emotions, and you give that to someone that can really show daring in its truest form. Um, venturing into a new relationship with someone or telling someone how much you love them. You can display that in a drawing picture or sculpture. It kind of gives one free reign to do something daring. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. I love your take on that. And <laughs> but do you think that you really have to, that is it absolutely necessary to mm-hmm. use new innovative methods to be daring? Or is there a way that you can put kind of a twist on the tried and true methods and still push the boundaries with those? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely certain ways you can take that. Um, if you, if someone, if an artist wants to use a tried and true method, as you said, to develop like an unpopular opinion for example, against a government or something that they don't like that they disagree with. That's kind of daring. That's kind of throwing out your ideas in the form of any type of art, traditional art, new, innovative art. So it doesn't have this way of throwing out and being daring. doesn't really have as much to do with like styles of art and coming up with a new way of showing something. 
it has to do with what you're showing in general. Um, if you want to display opinions, beliefs, and values that are kind of unpopular, it's great to use art to throw those out there. Um, art is used in politics to display opinions, beliefs, and values, and it's often used to criticize opponent, opposing parties. Like, there are, there are comic strips that certain artists with a political background will use to display their dismay at a different party. Um, being daring with art can definitely mean using art to showcase the artist's opinions on certain things, and defending those opinions by explaining them through the piece of art that the artist has created takes a lot of valor and daring. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on using other methods mm -hmm. of art, such as like uh, music as art, to like get their oh yeah up, yeah music is. Um, there, there are certain cases of music, like uh, Ludwig van Beethoven, he's a household name, of course, and uh -huh. he was one of those artists, you know, he was one of those um, music composers who, he was kind of in the middle between, I think, classical and romantic, the classical and romantic music movements, and so he kind of brought in the romantic movements with, with its bigger instruments, its different musical style, and he shocked a lot uh -huh. of classical composers with that and the classical audience so that took a lot of daring yeah music is a great way to send out your new opinions your new styles anything really any type of art can be used to express yourself and if you use daring with those types of arts and express yourself in a new way or express an unpopular opinion then really any type of art can do mm -hmm. and so yeah, art in general is just a great way to throw yourself out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you seem so knowledgeable on this topic. Thank you so much for oh, thank all you. your insight. Um, you know, it's great talking to you, and it's definitely important to not be afraid of expressing ourselves through any medium mm -hmm. we may choose. I'm glad we, you know, touched on different types of art. Yeah, and, you know, that's the that's the epitome of being daring. And as always, all good things must come to an end. And this show gave us an in-depth look at how blessed it is to live with courage and to dare to be different and to dare to be yourself, no matter how you decide to do that. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are Charity, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. I'm Rachel Goss. And I'm Hannah Hundle, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be daring, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself